Good morning, everybody. So yeah, I don't know what you got a chance to think about this week, but I got to think a lot about judgment. (laughs) Happy summer, (laughs) you know? Uh, You know, this is a really fun time of the year, though. It's summertime. Happy June, you know? Uh, You know, for my role, you know, working with a lot of our middle school and high school students this summer, like right now is a fun time in the teen and middle school ministries. And uh, we have people coming in and out of swamp. We got our summer interns here for the summer. We got a ton of stuff planned. Uh, Actually, most of our students are going this today, you know, to swamp for week two. A lot of them just came back. So you can pray for their time uh, at the swamp. But wanted to give just a quick youth and family update before we dove into the scriptures this morning, if that's cool, you guys. So right now, I don't know if you guys uh, know, we got about 120 students in our uh, middle school and high school ministries, Uh, about 70 teens, 50 middle schoolers, 130 parents. Uh, We got our, you know, youth leaders that are amazing. Uh, Bree and I work as as the full-time staff here and then, you know, spread out through six communities. So it's a, it's an awesome group. It's a great group. And uh, I don't know if there's something messing up with my sound record. Maybe you can fix that. Um, but it's a, it's a really great group. Our theme for the summer for the teens and, and middle schoolers is going to be the summer of joy. All right. And so every summer, uh, every Sunday during the summer, we're actually having a middle school or high school class up in the lighthouse. We're going through, uh, going through joy, which is to me, I need it, you know, for this summer and, um, and looking forward to, to, to that theme. Uh, then we, it's really cool because in November, we actually get a chance to host here at North River the International Conference for Youth and Family Ministry. Uh, and so that's in November where it's going to be people, like 500 people from around the world are going to be joining us here at North River for a few days of training and teaching. So that'll be really exciting in November. Wanted to introduce you to some of our, our, some of our youth leaders that are incredible, some of our volunteers. And uh, these guys are, you know... They give up a lot of their Sundays and Wednesdays to kind of help be a, a mentor and, an, you know, just a, a big brother, a big sister to the next generation. And, uh, and so these guys are amazing. Our family group from this is incredible. But we do need more. We need more uh, youth leaders uh, in, in our ministry. And so that's something that you're interested in. Uh, please uh, reach out to me. You can find my email right there. We would love to uh, uh, have you with us to kind of help raise up the next generation. Um, so we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, am I good on my sound too? Does it sound weird? We sound okay. All right. If it does, you know, it's all good. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 7. Now, I guarantee you that maybe as you leave today or in the next few days, you are going to be hit at some point with the temptation, almost the automatic temptation to judge somebody. All right, whether it's a, someone that drives weird, you know, on your way home, whether it's someone in Kroger, your neighbor, your spouse, whatever, you know, it's going to be, you're, you're going to be tempted in some way to judge people. And Jesus has something to say about that. So let's read what he has to say here in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1 says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You can't help but kind of laugh at that last part, you know, about pigs tearing you to pieces, you know. Now, this, this phrase, this passage, do not judge, could be up there as one of the most quoted passages in our world today. Am I wrong about that? Hey, don't judge. It's one of the biggest values, you know, that we have in our world today of not judging one another, of, hey, don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to say, how to dress, when to show up to work, you know, just don't, don't, don't judge me. What's ironic about that, it's also one of, the, we live in probably the most judgmental society to ever exist. So it's kind of weird, you know, where we are making <laughs> judgments. We are literally giving little platforms to judge and air our opinions, you know, however much we want. You turn on the TV, it's, it's, it's about everything, it's sports and politics and nutrition and fitness and education and parenting and housing. Everyone has an opinion about it. And if you don't have an opinion about it, you're judged for not having an opinion about it, you know? <laughs> And there's those of us that aren't judgmental. And aren't judgmental people the worst? You know, aren't like, we, I hate judgmental people. You know, they're super, I would never judge people, you know, that way. You know, judge, we're, we're all judgmental, aren't we? So that's the passage we'll be in today. But I actually wanted to take a quick step back and look at the big picture of where we're at in the Sermon on the Mount. Does that sound good? Because I think there's some cool things we can learn uh, from the whole picture. So this is kind of a rough outline of what a lot of people think the way that the Sermon on the Mount is structured with prayer at the very center, which is a whole other sermon. We, and I'd love to go more into this actually. But where we're at right now is in this, t- in this section of teaching, which actually corresponds to that first section of teaching in Matthew chapter 5. And, uh, and so this teaching, a lot of times what we do with the Sermon on the Mount is we kind of take um, different passages and we just take it by itself. Don't murder, don't judge, don't, you know, uh, uh, worry, all that stuff. We take it out and just look at it by itself. But I think if we look at these teachings grouped together, I actually think we see something really interesting. And so Jeff actually started it off a few weeks ago about that passage, hey, don't store up treasures for yourself on earth, but store it up in heaven. And that was a really powerful <clears throat> message and thought. Um, and, then, and then Jesus talks about this interesting parable. Remember this one about a good eye versus a bad eye? It says if your eye is healthy, if your eye is good, it says then your whole body will be full of light. But it says, if your eye is unhealthy, if your eye is bad, it says your whole body will be full of darkness, which sounds kind of weird, you know, when you think about it. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, Jeff talked about it a little bit that time, but you remember what those two things represent. A good eye actually is trying to, it's more pertaining to the way that you look at the world. And so it's a lot about, man, God has given me everything I need. There's enough to go around. Kind of a spirit of generosity. God is with me. He's for me. You're positive. It's hopeful, faithful. Whereas a bad eye is more like, man, there's just not, there's not enough to go around. God hasn't really given me what I need. It's kind of a, st- a stinginess. It's being critical and cynical. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. He says, man, when your eye is good, when you're looking at the world through a lens of, man, there's enough. God has given me what I need. It says that your whole body changes. You know the difference between when you're around those two types of people? Like, it's so obvious to know when you're around someone that, like, just, just is looking for the good in life versus someone that's always kind of looking for the negative. And it's tough sometimes hanging around those. It's the tough, I mean, being that, kind of, being that kind of person that has that kind of eye. 
But that's a lot of what we talked about with those, with those things. And I, I feel like for me, honestly, the last couple of months have been like packed. May is usually our busiest month with graduations and transitions and, you know, all these kinds of things, getting ready for the summer. And, uh, and honestly, I felt like the last couple of months, I have felt like I've had a bad eye the last couple of months. And it's, it's been a lot of like, I don't have enough. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm worried about a lot of things. Um, it's, it's coming from a place of, man, I wish I had more help. I wish things were different in this way. And uh, God, like, like, I'm just, I'm too busy. It's kind of using that phrasing a lot, you know. I'm too busy. It's that narrative that's running in my mind. Something comes up and I tend to, my, my first uh, reaction tends to be complaining or tends to be uh, one of just negativity. And then I'm looking usually to Bree or somebody else to then air, you know, my negativity with just to feel better about myself somehow. But I've, I've felt that in myself a lot, actually, the last couple of months. And I think so this passage has been... Uh, helpful, and it's, I feel like Jesus has been helping me repent, you know, with some of those things. Now, if you're looking at the world that way, I know when I look at that world that way, what does that end up leading to? If you're storing up for yourselves treasures here, you're looking at the world like, man, there's not enough, usually that leads to what Kendall talked about last week, it, it leads to worry. That's why Jesus says, man, don't worry. It, it kind of, a lot of it falls into the same, same thing together. We worry about things a lot. We're anxious about things a lot. And I felt that a lot of myself. You know that, you know that pit of anxiety that sometimes you feel like in your, in your stomach just comes up? I, I felt that, you know, just kind of like a, like a quick, you know, feeling that you have of just being anxious and worried about a lot of things. And I really don't like who that turns me into, you know? Because when that's the way I'm living my life and I'm anxious, man, God doesn't have enough. I wish I had it and I'm kind of complaining. I end up, be, it comes out in my, in my, in my, in my conversations with other people. Uh, it makes me look at the world kind of like, you know, just get that glass half empty. Um, it makes me sick physically, you know. It makes uh, my, my work more of an obligation than it is a joy. And then it makes people around me stressed. And it affects people a lot, you know. And a passage that I was, that, you know, on a, on a walk I was taking recently, a passage I felt like God spoke to me was that passage that was like, that says, you know, cast your anxieties on him. Why? For he cares for you. It's, I mean, doesn't that sound a whole lot like the passage that Kendall read last week? Yeah. Right. Hey, don't worry. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. You don't have to worry. God cares for you. He's looking out for you. You know, Michael Burns came last year and spoke to our staff about the idea of being a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. And that's something that I really want to be. I don't want to come into a room or come in somewhere and add more anxiety to the room, add more stress to the room. There's already enough of that to go around. I want to be someone that comes into the room and I help make that place more peaceful, more joyful, hopeful, full of life. And I think that's what all of us, you know, want to be. None of us wants to make the room worse and more anxious. But our society, he taught about, he taught about how our society is, is built. Uh, it's, it's an anxious society. We live in an anxious society. And not just that society is anxious, although that's obviously very true. But society is built around people of common fears. 
and common anxieties. And we have structured society to be like, to huddle around uh, other people that are anxious about the same things we're anxious about. And so if we're anxious about the same things together, then we can hang out and we can talk about how anxious we are about those things. Now, if you're not anxious about that, I don't really trust you, you know? And so go over there and hang out with those people that are like secure. I'm gonna be anxious, you know, over here with everybody else. But we kind of bond over things that we're anxious about. Anxiety over the other political party, right? Anxiety about the environment, about the economy, about artificial intelligence, whatever. Like, oh, you think the education system is bad? Okay, great, let's talk, let's talk about it and kind of rile ourselves. Oh, you think church is going into direction. Let's talk about it. And we kind of, you know, and then you kind of get, and we start bonding around common anxieties and common fears. Now, and what tends to happen if now you and your group are anxious about these things and you look at someone else that doesn't share those same anxieties? What do you tend to do with those kind of people? You judge them. That's what I think Jesus is trying to help us to see in all this, is that these things are linked And now we get to this passage, you know, do not judge or you will be judged. That word judge, it has a a lot of meanings. It really means at the core to discern between what is good and what is not good. Now judgment is a good thing in a lot of ways. Uh, judgment is not bad. It's not negative by itself, although we think, I think modern, modern terms like kind of negatively a lot about that. But does Jesus say we're supposed to never judge? Well, I mean, I think judgment is good in some ways. Imagine a professor, right, not judging a paper. Some of our students might be happy about that, but that wouldn't be great, you know. Or a doctor not making a judgment call about what you need. A judge in court not giving a fair, you know, judgment consequence to someone that's done something really bad. Judgment is important and it's needed. But Jesus is talking more about condemning people. He's talking about labeling people. He's talking about looking down, you know, on people. And isn't that the worst feeling ever? You know, I was listening to a story of two uh, little girls who were talking about, you know, one was telling a story and the other one uh, was like, well, I'm glad that story's done. And the girls, like, other girls like, well, your stories are terrible, you know? And it's like, all of us kind of feel like even from a young age, we hate that feeling of being judged, of being looked down upon, of someone not, you know, of someone kind of making a judgment about us. But Jesus isn't talking about just making a judgment. I think he's talking about us using our own judgments, not looking to God to be the one to make those judgments. Too often we're quick to make judgments without knowing the whole story. You know, my mother-in-law talks a lot about, you know, that phrase of, man, there isn't a person that you wouldn't love if you could read their story. That kid that looks tired in class, have no idea what their home life is like. Your coworker that comes in with kind of a bad attitude, you judge them. You know what's happening in their family? Or on their, on their way to work that day? Person that comes back to church after some years, it's like, oh, about time they're back, you know? You know what the last few years have been like for them? There isn't a person that you wouldn't love if you knew their story. I'm always amazed that every single time I've judged someone, and I just take a moment to ask, hey, how, like, how's, how's it going? Almost every time I'm filled with more compassion, more grace, more empathy for that person. And then, and then Jesus goes on uh, and he says, hey, with the measure that you use, it'll be used back to you. 
He says it, uh, Luke, Luke kind of describes it a little bit differently in Luke chapter 6. It says, do not judge others or you, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or uh, it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and, it, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you give back. You know, this is like a principle of the universe. This isn't just a teaching. God has knit this teaching into the fabric of creation. Where there's just a way that what you put out into the world usually comes back to you. If you're generous, usually I find that God is so generous back towards me. And often the cycle really starts with us. Because God is going to be generous no matter what. But the cycle starts with us, whether we're going to be generous or not. So if you want generous generosity back to you, then you got to step out and be generous. The cycle starts with us, and then God has a way of bringing it back. You know, I think judgment, oftentimes when we judge, it becomes a mirror that reflects different things about us, right? And I learned a few things to me about myself when I find that I'm judging other people. One is that we often judge the things that we are most insecure about in ourselves. We judge often the things we're most insecure about in us. We judge when someone else is strong in some of those things. The way that we tend to judge others often is the measure that we use then to judge ourselves. So if you're hard on people, you condemn people, you tend to do that to yourself. Something else I learned, the more that we judge, the more we're afraid to be judged by others. I find that the more I'm like judging others, the more I'm afraid that people are judging me in that way. But the more I'm like, I'm trying not to judge, the more I'm actually kind of free to be like, I don't really care, you know, what people, what people think. And then I think it also reveals a lot of pride and arrogance in our own hearts because you ever heard that for someone say that to you? Hey, don't judge me. I think we got to be careful when we use that phrase. I think sometimes it actually ends up being a little bit of just a disguise to not let someone really in to help us with things we really need help with. And it becomes a, a, something that you just put up to, as, a, as something of you know, pride and arrogance to, to not go into the deeper parts of things that you really need you know, in your own life. So I feel like judgment's so helpful as a mirror to who we are. And then he goes on and he, and he goes into this interesting parable. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is a convicting uh, parable and it made me think of this video maybe that many of you guys have seen. You, you can play that, uh, play that video. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. 
it's just sometimes it's like there's this achy I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all and all my sweaters are snagged I mean all of them yeah I, that sounds really hard it is thank you ow oh, come on ow. if you would just don't Try to see things my way. You know, I think, I think Jesus is actually trying to get us to see how ridiculous that is. He's like, sometimes we go up to people like, hey, you got something, you got something in there. He's like, you have a telephone pole sticking out of your eye, you know? And Jesus is like, you know how ridiculous that looks, you know, when you have a telephone sticking out, you know, sticking out of your eye and you're trying to look at that little tiny speck of sawdust. Like, it looks ridiculous. But oftentimes, isn't it funny how blind we can be to the nails, you know, in our forehead or to the telephone poles sticking out of our eyes and we're looking at other people. Maybe what you're seeing the other person is the big telephone pole sticking out of your eye, you know? And you take that out, maybe there's actually nothing there. But I think Jesus is actually trying to kind of get us to see how ridiculous that can be sometimes. But he's also trying to get us, I mean, it's so helpful. He's trying to help us to look at ourselves first, right? Before we look at, before we look at other people. You know, why does Jesus use this kind of silly illustration about an eye? Where did we just see something about an eye? A few passages earlier, when I was talking about the difference between having a bad eye and having a good eye. And so what I think Jesus is saying is saying, you know, if you have, <clears throat> how, do you, how do you see the world? Do you see the world with generosity and abundance? God has given me enough. I, I like, and, and you're coming from that kind of place? Or are you coming from a place of, you know, this world is tough and, 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 and that negativity all the time. Jesus is saying we have to really be careful about what kind of eye we have. Because if you have that bad eye, your judgment about other people is totally compromised. And so I think it's less, there's so much about just kind of being the hypocrites. And, and, but it's not about being perfect. I think it's about being, before you can talk to somebody else, it's more about, how am I looking at the world? Because if, if I'm really going to help somebody else, it better be coming from a place of faithfulness, of love for that person, of hope for that person. Because if not, then it's going to cause a lot of damage. First, I got to fix that eye. And then out of my generosity and abundance, I can really help other people that are next to me. And I hope that we have an environment where we're helping embrace, uh, helping one another with the specks in, our, in each other's eye you know, that we embrace that, you know, in our own lives. And Jesus actually gives us some wisdom right here in how to do that in this next part, um, where he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, I've, the, when I've heard this uh, passage, I've usually only heard it in uh, reference to, hey, don't waste your time with certain people. You got some pearls, you got the good stuff, you know. Some people ain't just, aren't going to want what you have. And I think there is a lot of wisdom in that and how we use our time and not, you know, and, and looking for, for people that are open and receptive to God's word. But why don't we just take this parable at face value for a minute? What do dogs and pigs value? Do they value pearls? I don't think so, you know. Like, I feel like I make some pretty good tacos. My, my daughter, Mari, she, what does she value though? She values yogurt. Okay. 
So if I try to come at her with some tacos, she's going to, you know, let me hear about it and tear me to pieces, you know, in some ways, you know, because she values yogurt. Now, what I think Jesus is trying to teach here is that it may, it may be that we need to really be wise and careful about giving people what they need, giving people what they value. Not about like just giving it to them and, and just giving them anything that they want to hear. But I think Jesus is trying to help us be very careful, very wise, and, and very discerning about how we try to help the people in our lives to give them what they need. People might not want pearls, even though you think that's what they need. People might need something totally different. That's why I think Jesus goes on in the, in the, in the next passages at the, at the end of this. He says, so in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, I think Jesus was so good at giving people what they needed. Every person needed a little bit of something different. Jesus took people, took them close, looked them in the eye, and he gave each of them something a little bit different. To some people, it was a healing touch. For some people, it was a hard truth. For others, it was a gentle word. But Jesus was, I think, coming from a place of generosity, love. How can I really help this person? Not, let me just give my opinions about what they need. He didn't, <laughs> Jesus could have judged people, but he didn't judge them. He didn't condemn them. He didn't start fire hosing spiritual truths at them. He didn't threaten them or try to impress them. He gave them what they needed. And isn't that passage about giving to others what you would have them give to you so profound but so simple? And it's such to me a cure for so many of the things that Jesus is talking about. You know, it's, if you don't want someone to treat you that way, then don't treat, then don't treat them that way. If you don't want people to think about you in that way, then don't think about them in that way. If you don't want someone talking about you to someone else, then don't talk about them to someone else. Like it's such a simple, I think, yet a profound teaching that Jesus gives us that helps us in so uh, many areas. And it's funny how we tend to overemphasize, right, the weaknesses in somebody else, but de-emphasize the weaknesses in ourselves. And I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think Jesus, Jesus is trying to get us to think and act differently. Now, I think this all boils down to one question that Jesus is trying to get us to answer. How do you see? We've seen a lot about eyes. And as I was looking at this uh, passage, and we looked at some of the examples already, you can see that you're not going to be able to read this, obviously. This is Matthew 5. Where there's circles is where there's, there's language about eyes, about seeing. You see all over Matthew 5, there's different language about that. Matthew 6, you see language all about that. Matthew chapter 7, you see the same thing. You see things that we've talked about already. But it says in Matthew 5, if your eye causes you to stumble, right, gouge it out and throw it away. In Matthew 6, talking about worry, he says, look at the birds of the air. See the flowers of the field. Seek first his kingdom. There's so, many, there's so much language about eyes. Talking about let your, letting your good deeds shine so that others may see your good deeds and glorify God. Talks about when you're praying and fasting and giving to the needy. Don't do it to be seen by others, but do it for God who is unseen, who will see what you're doing. There's so much language about eyes. Now, why is that? Remember what, what, the, what was up with Eve in the garden? What was the, what was the problem that she was facing? She saw something and she saw that it was good and so she took. 
And I think that's the problem that we all have is that she had something up with her eye. And I think Jesus is trying to get us to see all over the Sermon on the Mount. He's pleading with us. Don't you see? Can't you see? Do you see? Open your eyes. We see all over the book of Mark, Jesus is like, you don't understand. You don't see. You can't see. And the next story is about Jesus looking at a blind guy and saying, this guy sees. You know, or he's like, you can't hear, you can't understand. Please listen. And then the next story is about a deaf guy who's like, this guy can hear. You know, Jesus is trying to get us all over the place to say, hey, open your eyes. How do you see God? How do you see the people that are around you? Look, open. Why are you storing up? You know, don't you realize you don't have to store up for yourselves a bunch of stuff here? Because I got you. I'm going to take care of you in heaven. Why are you looking and getting so worried about things? Don't you know that if you just, just like trust in me and open your eyes to what I'm doing, that I'm going to take care of you? And then he goes on and like later on after this passage and says, don't you know that like, like ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened. You think I'm going to trick you and give you snakes and scorpions and, and try, I'm playing, like playing tricks on you? He's like, I'm a dad who loves giving gifts to my kids and I want you to see it. But you just got to open your eyes. And I think too often we are blind to God's gifts that he's trying to give us in our lives. I think God is pleading with us, open your eyes. Open your eyes. If you open them and you look at around, you look at the world around you, you look at it as generous and good and all I've given to you, all I've created, all I've done in your life, then you're going to start seeing other people that way. And it's going, to, it's going to really help other people. But if you're not and you're walking around making decisions, but you're blind, you're going to cause a lot of damage. You're going to start getting angry with people. You're going to start judging people. You're going to start looking at people with lust. So he says, gouge out your eye. And replace it with the, with the way I want you to see the world. It says, man, when we do that, seek first his kingdom. It says, everything else will be given to you as well. Jesus is trying to help us to see. He's trying to help us to see. And I think the prayer that we need, if you feel like you're judgmental or constantly worried, I think the prayer that we need, that I love in Psalm 139 is, I think we all need just to kind of sit with Jesus for a moment and ask him, like, Jesus, I want to see. You remember when he asked that guy, hey, what do you want? He says, I want to see. And you can pray this prayer in Psalm 139 where it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, in a minute, we're going to take a communion. And during communion, I asked the worship crew if we could just have a few extra minutes of silence to, to really ev- evaluate ourselves. Because I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do in this passage. Saying, look for the plank in your eye. We're going to have a time just to kind of answer a few questions uh, about how you judge people and how you see them. And as we go into this moment of communion, you know, Jesus could judge us for a lot of things, couldn't he? He could condemn us. <clears throat> he could look down on us. But for those of us who are in Jesus, Jesus says, I have condemned something. I've condemned death. I've condemned sin. I've condemned darkness. There is no more condemnation left for those that are in Jesus. And if Jesus isn't going to condemn 
then I'm not going to condemn either. Let's pray and remember what Jesus did for us. Father, thank you for helping us to be a good father, for being a good father that's trying to help give us great gifts, giving us life and breath and abundance, life to the full. God, we know that you have that waiting for us. But God, we are so blind oftentimes to what you're trying to do in our lives. We're blind by our own insecurities, by our own fears, by our own sin, our own preferences. And God, we just really uh, pray that you would help us to see. We pray that you would search us individually, also just collectively, God, that you would search us, that you would know us, that you would reveal anxieties in in our lives and in ways that we're worrying, ways that we're not trusting you, ways that we're blind. God, we pray that you would reveal any offensive way in us and that you would lead us in the way everlasting. Thank you for Jesus, God, who uh, was condemned himself and chose to be condemned so that we wouldn't have to be. God, we pray that we would remember him and honor him and see the world the way that, he, that, that you see the world. God, we are so grateful to be your kids. In your son's name, amen.